Welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my wonderful co-host, Michael Grothy. Hello. Uh, how are you? How have you been? It's been a, a little bit of a minute since we last saw you on this weekly podcast called the Mas- or MMCast, no longer called the Masters of Modern. Gotta get used to that. Uh, so for those who don't know, we've changed our name to the MMCast. So that way now we can talk about anything we want to talk about instead of just modern. We will still talk about modern. Modern is still not a not focus of this podcast, uh, especially because contextually that is where we understand magic the most from. But uh, especially during COVID, we've been playing so many other different formats. We've been playing Commander every Monday. Uh, so we are now the MMCast uh, as kind of just an abbreviated version. Who knows what that means? Masters of Magic, Monday Magic. Maximum Marshall cast maximum Michael Marshall madness. That's the MMMM cast Mm, cast. Uh, (laughs) um, And so today we're talking about uh, landfall, actually. So so uh, for those who don't know, we are returning to Zendikar for the third time. uh, My first my real first set uh, as a magic player uh, was original Zendikar. Landfall made it showing there um, and it is returning. It is probably the most inherently tied to Zendikar mechanic out there. When people think of Zendikar, they think of Landfall, similar to how other sets have similar mechanics. Um, that I'm not, for some reason, blanking on a good example. <laughs> Split cards and gold cards in Ravnica. Um, and so we are going to go through each of the cards from the new set, kind of talk about them, see how good they are. Also a little bit of a conversation on just... The different times Landfall has shown up, um, a little bit on how, uh, where the design philosophy this time came from versus last time. So when they returned for the battle for Zendikar, there was definitely a pulling back on power level uh, for Landfall and causing it kind of to 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 thud as as a as a as a return to a mechanic, among other things from that block. Um, but this time they're like, you know what? Landfall is a big deal. Can we make it more powerful? I think the fact that they don't have fetch lands actually helps help them make me make them a little bit more powerful than they would have. Um, but yeah, so, so we're going to be talking about landfall today. Um, Michael, what are your thoughts on the return of landfall? Yes. So a lot of these cards look more like the Zendikar ones, like you were saying, whereas like the BFZ, everything, all the landfall cards kind of like cost one more mana. Or got, you know, plus one, plus one instead of plus two, plus two for all of their, like, original Zendikar counterparts. And I think that you are right uh, that the reason for that is that Fetchlands were in standard at the time that they printed BFZ. And I think they looked back to original Zendikar, which had Fetchlands, obviously, the origin of the um, the enemy Fetchlands. Um, they were like, that format was too aggressive. We want to dial it back um, for whatever reason, you know pendulum swinging standard etc uh so they decided to make them all weaker this time around it looks like we are closer to the power level we have like analogs like ruin crab to hedron crab which i know it doesn't you know mill you so it's obviously worse but we have like a color shifted step links just word for word we have lotus cobras back we have like a card that looks a lot like plated geopede um we have a lot of creatures that get a plus one plus one counter instead of just a temporary buff so it seems like it's like pushed a lot more. And I think the reason for that is, like you said, there's no fetch lands in standard. So they don't have to worry about the power level of these cards in standard as much. Because if you're getting multiple land drops, you're like working for it with like one of your four fabled passages or you're like playing 
you know, a ramp spell or something. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, like when, when we returned the battle for seven card was, it wasn't a total bust for landfall. Uh, probably the most, uh, two most infamous landfall cards from this set, that set were Omnath locus of rage, which is like maybe arguably one of the best red green commanders ever printed. Um, and then Richie to coral helm, which is, uh, modern staple in, in the, the retreat, um, now the reliquary kind of landfall combo decks, um and has i've seen i've seen other retreats like randomly show up in either in combo decks or like commander decks where you're just hitting every land drop like the retreat to hagra that drains when a land Mm -hmm. enters the battlefield you can use that to like combo or to just gain some life or whatever and i've seen i've seen retreat to emerius you play in commander just because it makes it it's like a landfall get a one one token or uh pump your whole team so it's like it's powerful it's just it's pretty specific yeah, and there's nothing that exciting. Uh, right. Amiria Shepard also sees Commander play. It was from Battle for Zendikar. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's just reanimate a thing. If it's a planes, you can get a non-land permanent versus a creature. Uh, it goes non-land permanent from graveyard to hand. Oh, oh, oh. You, it's a planes. You return it to the battlefield. Right, right, right. Um, that's like a Commander card in like green white decks where you can like get to seven mana and then hit a bunch more land yeah. drops and like reanimate your whole graveyard and do some shenanigans. Yeah, it's 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 cool to feel excited about these landfall cards again versus last time where I was kind of just like, oh, none of these cards are that exciting. Even if some like I, I do think it's a little bit in the middle, right? Like Bloodgast 2, which we will be talking about, is different than in power level than original Bloodgast, but it is likely worse and and i think that like you know it's been proven time and time again that you have to be careful with cards that can come back from your graveyard without spending mana like pretty much every time we've seen one of those it's been at least mildly problematic especially because like the more you print the more there's like a critical mass that these decks can like go off consistently and have slight upgrades and you know decks like dredge in various formats i don't think is something they're looking to print a ton of cards into all the time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well i mean like yeah even this last year cat oven is an example right that was a card that was really powerful and like on paper shouldn't be but or like which should be just fine but like was like in some ways format defining to the extent that they had to ban it. Uh, and then uh, yeah, if you I look think at it's also like it's I think cat oven feels like it's a similar like sensei's divining top ban where like sure it just sucks to play with and against in addition to being like slightly too powerful. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I don't disagree with that. And But then like, you know, obviously Arclight Phoenix was really good. Vengevine has like had multiple times in modern history where it was a a, a top tier yeah. deck. Um, no, that was Nark Amoeba like, has generally okay. been problematic right. whenever it's around a large card pool. And um, Prized Amalgam was like a big upgrade for a lot of those decks. Icarid in Legacy, right, right. Um, and so now we're going to talk about the new landfall cards. And, and this is kind of a, this is a little bit what we're doing differently now is, is for our set review. This is basically part two um, where last week we talked about all the lands and flip lands that come to play. One, one small, small thing we realized post back thanks to comments is uh, that the, the like do one damage to target creature instant. And if it dies, exile it card um, is even better than we thought due to its interaction with, Ho- uh, not Hogak with uh, Oko, um, not Oko. Uh-huh. 
Uro, thank you. I got there. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Let's you can go through the ban list. Who's on the ban list? Wait, not Uro yet. Not Uro okay. yet. Um, hopefully, this card uh, fights it well enough. Um, and basically, you can target Uro before its triggers go off, exiling it. You're still like one ca- one for oneing. They're like three, still three for oneing you, uh, or two for oneing you. But it does get rid of the second half of Uro, which is cool. Um, and does make that card even more playable than it normally would because that's such a powerful corner case that it'll be just available all the time. Um, before we get started, I do want to big do a big shout out to our patrons, specifically the Nobles of House Modern, modern uh, as well as everyone else. Uh, you get kind of a cool intro preview to the episode and everything else. And and if you are a patron, you get access to the raw feed. Um, we did a bunch of cool questions with uh, at the beginning of this episode that only is exclusive there. Some like wacky questions like uh, which Ikoria animal would you most like? likely to uh, eat on a sandwich um, that are kind of based on. So last week I did a thing with Gavin. I'll talk about that in a second. Um, But uh, big pinkies up to all of our patrons and especially the nobles of house modern. Uh, Thank you very much. And uh, second shout out. Yes. So uh, on Wednesday last week, I was on Good Morning Magic, which is uh, Gavin Verhey's new morning magic show every day. It's on YouTube. There's going to be a link below. Uh, We did a whole thing. We put a bunch of games. We're asking a bunch of wacky questions. Uh, Definitely go check that out. It was a blast to film. Um, And yeah, you should you should watch it. It was cool. Uh, And if you came from that and you're watching this for the first time after watching that, thank you for stopping by. Um, All right. First landfall card, and this is a card that makes me sad, but for different reasons. Uh, Canyon Jerboa, two and a white, one, two, landfall, mouse. Whenever land enters the battlefield under your control, creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. Power level wise, we can talk about it in a second. My the, the sadness is that this is the animal that basically lures Simba to his uh, Mufasa's death at the beginning, in the middle of Lion King. It's like in a cavern. You can kind of see the dust of a stampede in the distance behind it. The, the flavor text is move, you wretched thing. You're scaring the herdas. So Mufasa dies immediately after this card enters play. <laughs> uh, as far as power level concerns, I think it's cool that it's it's giving, you know, that landfall bonus to all creatures. We didn't really see that. I like mouse returning uh, as a creature type. We've talked about the white rodent. Eventually we'll get the blue rodent beavers. That's what no, I think we decided. Forbidden blue rodent. Um, and yeah, I think it's like that. That's that's most of what I have to say about it. I will say that I think this set explored new directions for landfall much better than the previous set. Um, Like original Zendikar was mostly play a land, get something small, like a a until end of turn buff or one damage target player or this creature gets flying or whatever until end of turn. Uh, But they didn't experiment with a lot of permanent resources or like you know, whole team buffs or whatever. In this set, uh, Zendikar Reborn is what it's called. Rising. Rising. Sorry. Uh, Zendikar Rising (laughs) does a lot of um, like permanent buffs or this one, which is like a team buff. Uh, So that's cool. I think this is whatever. I mean, if there's like a green white landfall deck in standard, maybe it'll be playable. I don't. It doesn't really excite me outside of that. Um, Fearless Fledgling, uh, which I believe has the most starkly different artwork between actual card printed and promo card. Like the promo card, I believe, is like a majestic looking bird. And then the the actual card, Griffin, is like 
is wild. You can see it right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, one and a white, one, one. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on Fleer's Fledgling, and it gains flying until end of turn. I actually think this card's really strong. The fact that it, like, can end up in three turns being a four, four flyer, as long as you're hitting your land drops, is, like, pretty impressive for two mana. Yeah. This this makes me want to play Landfall a lot more. It's like a much more legit threat, and it attacks for two in the air, like the turn after you play it, which for your two drop is fine. If you are playing, I mean, I guess Modern is like the only fetch land format now, but if you were able to fetch, you could like, it gets pretty out of hand. Right, right. I don't well, think it's good enough for Modern, unfortunately, but if, you know... Fable Passage know. is still like the most played land in multiple formats, right? Like, Cracking your fabled passage on turn three is pretty awkward though. Sure. I mean, it's doable, I guess well, you could like, go like fledgling into fledgling fabled passage or something and have two, three threes or just like fledgling swing for, t- you know, two on turn three with your land, play something good turn or even fledgling turn three play could not Kadama's reach, whatever that n- new cultivate cultivate into four drop right like there's other things you can do it's, to cut it's like to play. an aggro deck though or sure. this is an aggro card i don't think you want to be playing it in the same deck as as cultivate and honestly i think fabled passage in a lot of fledgling decks is going to be awkward do you think uh do you when we'll, we'll have this conversation especially when we get we get to akum hellhound in a second uh actually let's wait till there because I'm, I'm gonna bring it up there but remember this fledgling this little fearless fledgling when we get over there. Uh, I mean, I guess like that's what's interesting about this iteration of landfall is it's the first time that we've had landfall in standard with no fetch lands. And so, you know, they're able to push the power level to something to a, a level that's appealing like fearless fledgling. But then it's like, if I'm a white weenie deck, how many land drops am I going to hit over the course mm-hmm. of a game? Like if I don't play this right on turn two, is it good? And if I do play it on turn two, is it like, going to be super impressive if i only hit my third land drop or something or my fourth land drop i don't know it's interesting because like in original zendikar bfc the cards were just not good enough to see standard play right we already kind of discussed that but Mm -hmm. but in original zendikar it was like you know turn one step links turn two fetch land attack for four play to gop turn three fetch land attack for eight thousand uh (laughs) but when you can't when you have those power level of landfall cards but you don't have the fetch lands like are the aggressive ones good so, so I guess my one question is, does, and I was going to wait, but we can talk about it now. Uh, uh, like, I feel like Evolving Wilds, Field of Ruin, and obviously Fable Passage all get a more of a look for standard play with that then, right? Like, if, if, like, if you're only yeah. playing one and two, if you're playing pretty aggressive threats and like one and two drops, and you're literally just playing Evolving Wilds as like a double buff or like on turn three, so you can get to your, your four drop or whatever, I think that sees a lot more play. And especially with some of their bigger, like the next card, Felidar Retreat, like, this is a card where like your evolving wilds is doing a lot more work. You're getting two, two twos out of it. Even if you have to like, you're playing it as a card that you either play on turn one, just to like get out of the way or you play on turn five. Um, and fable passage on turn three is not the best, but it's not that bad if you're playing mostly one and two drops. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe there's like kind of mid rangey decks that have this as like a cheap thread and then they're playing some more expensive cards Uh, also like as we discussed as you guys discussed last week like i think a lot of decks including aggro decks are just gonna be able to play more lands because they'll play the like the modal dfcs um like kazandu mammoth 
which I assume you talked about yesterday, but we'll cover again today. But like Fearless Fledging and Kazandu Mammoth. I mean, Kazandu Mammoth with literally any landfall card is just best friends because it could be a land if you have a bunch of landfall triggers and that's more valuable to you than a 3-3. And it's a 3-3 so that you don't flood out. Like it allows you to continue hitting landfall. Like, I guess this is how a lot of the modal DFCs are is like, you know, you already discussed last week about like at their core they're just very good but when you're playing landfall it's even better because sometimes late in the game you really do just want to top deck a land because it puts like a plus one plus one counter on two of your creatures and it gives your other creature plus two plus two and it makes a two two or whatever uh and you really just want to hit draw a land and you would much rather draw a land than a three three uh so what if you had a card that was both Um, next card, mention it, Feldar Retreat, three and a white enchantment, landfall. Whenever land enters the battlefield under your control, choose one. Create two white, create a two, two white cat beast creature token, or put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. Those creatures gain vigilance until end of turn. Um, this card does a lot of powerful things, right? Like it, in some ways it feels really similar to, uh, Gideon um the four mana one to me where he like his two it's missing his third mode right but it's like permanently pumping all your creatures or pretty consistently pumping out two twos every turn um and then i guess like instead of getting a six six you get vigilance and instead of and there's like much less ways to kill this uh, versus a gideon um so yeah i mean this is like super retreat to amiria which we already discussed like you know it was at least playable in 30 seconds ago uh, five minutes ago yeah it was it was playable in a little bit of commander maybe some some janky standard but this is just like twice as good it makes two twos instead of one ones and it puts counters on all your stuff instead of end of turn turn, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i guess the comparison with gideon is that like gideon you get a guaranteed thing every turn pretty much i mean obviously they can kill it this card it's easy to look at these landfall cards and just be like, oh, you get it every turn. But you don't really, right? Like, you play this when you hit four mana, but you're not going to play a land every single turn until you have eight mana, probably, right? I mean, that's pretty unlikely. Like, if you think about games that go eight turns, you're not hitting all eight of those land drops. So this card isn't really making you a 2-2 every turn for four turns. It's making you a 2-2 two or three turns out of four, maybe. I mean, I guess, like in these decks that are playing 38 lands, it's more likely, but, but I don't a, know. As like a, it's, it's interesting because it's in similar to getting like, like as a control finisher or as a control card, that's great, right? I like play a land, I'm getting free things for my lands that I'm playing, getting free threats that my opponent has to deal with um, or that can block for me, right? It can do a small field of the dead impression. Also, I mean, I guess speaking of field of the dead, this does do an interesting kind of in Bant ramp strategies where you just are playing this because you know you're going to play stuff like Uro and stuff like not Kodama's Reach. Yeah, but, so yeah. so what what I like about this card is this is a deck where you do want to just hit like infinity land drops and it's good, right? Like Fearless Fledgling strikes me as a deck where if you're trying to hit infinity land drops, it's not going to be good in your deck. Fearless Fledgling is like an aggro card that you want to play in a deck where you're probably only hitting like five or six land drops. But Felidar Retreat looks like a card that I would put in a deck where I want to hit lots and lots of land drops. And on and like Fearless Fledgling decks might board it in or something against sweepers or against decks with a lot of removal or something because it's inevitability. Um, but like as a main deck card, yeah, I think slower, maybe more Uro-y decks or ramp decks uh, 
it looks good because it's like a great wing con all by itself and it blocks. Right. Right. Um, next card is McKindy Ox. Four and a white, four, four. Landfall whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control. Tap target creature and opponent controls. This is a draft card. It's a medium draft card. I'm, I'm going to move on yep. with my life. Unless... It's a C in draft. Classic. It's not, it's not even a Herda. So I can't even like bring it back to the the it killing Mufasa. It does nothing for me. So it is it is an ox in the grand tradition of Bruce Tarl yelling at oxes. Yes, yes, oxen. I guess that is true. Before the he had a tradition. commander card, they printed Pillarfield oxen a few core sets, and every single time it had different flavor text from Bruce Tarl, just like yelling at it for oh. being so stubborn. And then in BFC. There was an ox that had Bruce Tarl flavor text, and then they made him a card. But now he's like a meme. I mean, I guess he was a meme, and that's how he got became a card. But <laughs> I didn't know that. That's interesting. Okay, and it does have Bruce Bruce Tarl flavor text. Okay, yeah, he's I'm a, into he's it. A classic. Look at that. McKinney Ox just saved himself. Is now in the episode. There was a second when we were going to have Marshall cut him, but he's back with Canyon flavor Jerboa text. has Bruce Tarl flavor text too, but I don't care because it's not an ox. Mm. Uh, all right, we're on the blue now uh ruin crab which ruined my life uh <laughs> it's one blue for a zero three crab landfall whenever land enters the battlefield under your control each opponent mills three cards eight crab <laughs> you can do with if they're all snow permanents you could do uh 12 crab now <laughs> Yeah, but that crab costs two mana. That's yeah, it's bad. Uh, eight crab Besides, it is. <laughs> everyone knows that what you're supposed to do with these crabs is play fetch lands, right? So, like, the snow crab only gets one trigger off of a fetch. It's Ugh. pretty bad. It's pretty bad. But Ruin Crab is here for us. Uh, in spirit, if not in the ability to mill myself. Um, I think this card is going to be... I mean, like, one thing to remember about Hedron Crab is that it was, like, almost a first pickable card in Zender card draft and was the only reason to play blue in that limited format. Blue was the worst color and by a wide margin. And the reason for that is because milling someone out with a Hedron Crab was not difficult at all. Um, the, like, if you were able to put up any defense, they mill your opponent very quickly. And so this Hedron Crab, on turn one, if you get two of them, can be bonkers. Uh, well, there's also a lot of incidental mill because of the rogue mechanic yeah. in the set, where, like, a lot of the rogues want your opponent to have eight cards in their graveyard. So there's a lot of rogues that's like, when this hits your opponent, they mill one. Or, like, when this enters the battlefield, they mill two. Or there's there's even, like, a... The two mana, I guess it's at rare, but it's like two mana, they mill eight, and then you can kick it to to make them mill half their deck. So yeah, there's like a yeah. bunch of random mill cards in the set, in part because of this rogue mechanic. Mm -hmm. So if you have like a ruin crab rogue deck uh, in limited, I think that's strong. And that might even carry over to constructed. I mean, like, this is probably the most efficient way that exists in standard to get your opponent to eight cards in their graveyard. Well, there's, right? there's, there's a two card combo, right? With the, there's the three blue mana mill your opponent. Well, actually there's a lot of very good mill cards in standard, right? Cause there's even the, the zero four adventure, but there's the commander that is also a creature that is just a standard legal creature that like doubles all mill, right? Like if you mill someone mill twice as much, um, back was in jumpstart. He was in jumpstart. Cool. So you can play that in historic. You can play in historic. So in historic, you can play Brewback, and then you can play the card you just mentioned, the the two mana kicker, mill half their deck. Oh sure, yeah, it's yeah. An instant kill. That's spicy. But I'm thinking like Ruin Crab. 
so Merfolk Seeker Keeper, you're right, is very good. Has seen standard play, was good in draft. It was a common, so it was like better in draft, I guess, because you could get a lot of them. But well, debate, yeah, yeah. One card, this one card does more work, but getting more of them is harder. Yeah, right. You could just have like four Merfolk Seeker Keepers and ways to bounce them back to your hand, but you're probably only getting a couple of ruined crabs. But that one but, ruined crab is going to do a lot. Yeah. yeah, so that's what I'm thinking is like in standard, if you're this is this is like kind of worth a card, like it kind of blocks on the ground and it mills like very efficiently. So if you are some sort of deck like with Drown in the Lock and some of these rogue cards, maybe that's cool. And yeah. if you're a historic mill deck, now that, you know, you we're talking about Bruvac with this traumatized card or whatever it's called, it, it does the traumatized thing. Like Ruin Crab probably goes in that deck as like yeah. another way to win well, that, in case like, you don't draw your combo or whatever. You only draw one half. Skyclave Shade. Here we go. One and a black. Kicker two and a black. Skyclave Shade can't block. If Skyclave Shade was kicked, it enters the battlefield with two plus one plus one counters on it. Landfall. When a land enters the battlefield under your control, if Skyclave Shade is in your graveyard and it's your turn, you may cast it from your graveyard this turn. It is a 3-1. I don't know if I brought that up. So this is Bloodgast uh, 2.0. And this was actually probably the card we've gotten the most questions on what our thoughts on are on it. So there's a, I have a few thoughts. Obviously, it's not as good as Bloodgast. Bloodgast is a format-defining card in a way that many cards will never be. Um, and this, I don't think, is that that parallel. This does do some things differently and better than Bloodgast. Um, one of them is it allows you to cast it. So in modern, one of the issues that Bloodgast and Vengevine always have with each other is Bloodgast doesn't trigger Vengevine. It's just a, like a worse Vengevine that you can get back. Um, and this is a card that you can use to trigger Vengevine from your graveyard without doing too much work. So you can use Hedron Crab to mill yourself, and then you can play this plus a one drop um, on your turn three if you had milled this into your graveyard, getting both it back and Vengevine back. The other one is late game. In some ways, it's better than uh, Bloodgast because you can bring it in as a a five three versus for for five mana versus a three one for two mana, so it scales up a little bit. Yeah, I like that it scales up. It looks like because they're making you pay mana, they're like, you know, we're going to give you a card that is not just worse than Bloodgast, but we would like you to play it fairly. Please, you must pay mana for it. We will reward you. For your mana investment, but you must pay. Right, right. Free cards, not good. Bloodgast is free. No good. Please pay mana. We will give you a reward for it. <laughs> and and I do think, like, for standard and historic, this is a kind of a cool card, right? The In historic, definitely, there's different ways to put it. The graveyard, also singleton formats um, on Arena or in general. This is definitely a card to be added. Um, I think your point about it bringing back Vengevine is cool, though. I mean, that is a situation where it can be better than Bloodgast. Uh, even even in, like, unfair decks that are, like, cheating Vengevines into play, this is cool. Because, like, Vengevine decks are often looking for creatures you can play out of your graveyard. Because you always have, like, a massive graveyard, but you don't have a huge hand. So being able to, like, use the resources available to you to get Vengevine back seems really cool. The, the amount of Golgari great uh, Golgari thugs that I have cast just to get Vengevines back, and this does that without like three turns of setup, makes me re- like this card a lot <laughs> uh, yeah. at a bare minimum. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty excited by it. I think like it's not as explosive as Bloodgast because it is constrained by your mana in a way that Bloodgast is not. 
Um, so it's not replacing Bloodgast anywhere except maybe some spicy Vengevine lists. But it it will be good in formats where Bloodgast isn't legal, or even in like decks that are just not as all in as like decks that play Bloodgast. Right. Because right. decks that play Bloodgast, like Bloodgast is not that good, right? It's like a two one that can't block. Sometimes has it's haste. It's not a super. Sometimes has haste. It's like not a super relevant card. It's just like. It's only use is like unfair, where mm-hmm. you're just like dumping wholesale cards in your graveyard and just getting back like a massive army of random idiots, like two ones and one ones and three threes and stuff. Um, and this card is not good at doing that, but it is good at just like, yeah, I play it on turn two, I attack a couple of times, it trades off for each removal spell, I get it back on turn five, it's freaking big. Like, right. right. <laughs> like th- this is actually maybe even a better, like just generic standard card um or like generic constructed card than bloodgast is like bloodgast ne- bloodgast needs the deck to be all in on the self mill plan to become powerful to an extent that it is powerful and when it's doing that it's insane cuz it's just this free card you have available to you so the um, one thing that bloodgast has on this other than that is vampire. that in standard it was a vampire yeah. and so it got played cuz it was a vampire yes yeah, yeah well that was its main in standard it mostly saw play as that but i could see a bunch of different decks that exists right now thinking of playing this, the sacrifice deck. This is like a decent card in that deck just because it's great fuel for sacrificing. It's really easy to get it back. It's not an embarrassing threat on turn two or on turn five. Um, yeah, no, it's not at all for sure. And the fact like the fact that it's hard to get rid of in like that obnoxious Uro way. I mean, obviously it doesn't just like two for one them every time you cast it, which is good. Um, cards probably shouldn't do that but you know this is like much easier to get back over and over like right. you can just get this back like keep answering my skyclave shade what you got and you know i i have mentioned that there it's like you're not going to hit every land drop in every game but that said sometimes you're going to draw your kazandu ma- mammoth and you're going to be like you know what i'd rather have a five three than this kazandu mammoth play it as a land get my five three like <laughs> well this doesn't require you to hit your land drop every turn for value right that that's yeah. something that if you need your land drop once and now you got the value and uh, you can hold lands to get this back later right, right. like versus versus felidar retreat where if you're not hitting your land every turn or fearless or even worse fearless fledgling like this card is bad unless you're consistently hitting land drops to get it bigger and give it flying. Um, yeah. yeah, no, but, but I, I think this is one of my favorite cards from the set so far. Uh, I do think that the, we mentioned it earlier, but the red, the red land that uh, can, can gut shot a thing for one red mana, I guess Hornet sting, but then exiles it needle drop. I don't know. Uh, makes this worse, right? Like that card is, is I feel like is going to see a lot of play at least until Uro is banned. Um, because it's a good answer to Uro, but also it's just like a generically good removal spell. A lot of the time, it gets rid of a lot of utility creatures. And then I don't also know. I think land. it's format dependent. Like the fact that it hits Uro is points for it, but I don't think that I would play it just to deal with Uro. Like I don't think it's a very efficient way to deal with Uro. Sure. Well, it's, it, the the benefit is that it's always worst case scenario, just a land you play tapped, right? Like that's that's yeah. Like but- it's, like the Uro decks that exist in pretty much every format, if they're just like two for oneing you with their Uro, they're just gonna win. Well, but you're, I mean, you're up on mana, right? Like it, they they spent three mana to play an extra land and draw a card and gain three life, and you've spent one card 
to make it so they didn't draw two cards. They drew one card, I guess. But that one card is like very strong and inevitable. They gained three, though. That's the tricky part. They gained three. Uh, yeah. Sure. I, I think I'm more thinking of like the Jun Sacrifice decks playing that card less than like mono red aggro. I think mono red aggro is losing to Uro decks. Needs well, sometimes help, you I just guess. kill them. You, yeah, you, you kill them first. Them. Yeah, yeah. You, you cleave them. Throw it's the like, cleave oh, you gain nine life off your Uro this game. Here's my Ember Cleave on my 10-10 Anax. Die. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, speaking of red, uh, Akum Hellhound. One red, zero one, elemental dog. Landfall whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control. Akum Heldhound gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Dogs have their own step links. Uh, I'm just seeing dogs. Dogs rise up. It's interesting that this is an elemental hound dog versus I guess there were a bunch of hellhounds on Zendikar originally and maybe not many just regular dogs. We got my Aquam Hellhound. Nice, nice. I can see some land has fallen. So yep. Peanut, she's she's getting she's, plus two, plus two. There are two, a two, three right now. Uh, <laughs> um, Put her back over here. Peanut Cam. It's great. This mirror is actually wonderful because I've just been distracted watching Peanut Adventure on your bed throughout the podcast. And I, as I hope. I oh, I know. Well. I'm keeping her up. She was <laughs> taking a nap. Um, for those who don't know, Step Links was a uh standard level consistent player like it just is a very efficient threat a one mana two three is good and it's not playing modern for a long time in naya zoo decks mm-hmm. uh which you know i am a wild in the cattle f- fan not even fan just like i think that it deserves better but anyway <laughs> wild the cattle decks used to play step links because you're just playing like 12 plus fetches and just like taking damage off your mana base but you're just your creatures are so huge because you're playing wild in the cattle which is a three three for one you're playing step links which is a four five for one and this which can be a four five for one with fetches i do think that you know all those naya zoo players in modern whose deck is not well positioned and hasn't been for a long time they are very happy to see this as far as standard goes I think without fetches, this doesn't do it for me. I will say someone did send us a list recently that was Naya Modern Zoo and was playing Wild Nacodles and wanted me and you to talk about it. And I forgot to make a note of it and, ha- and save the deck list to show you. Cause this oh, yeah. The well, they, they tagged me on Twitter. It was a Saffron Olive deck or something. Maybe. Right? So so that's a deck that does exist. People are making the knock knock. knock coddle work nactal uh or no it's on goldfish it's not oh okay. yeah it's landfall zoo by saffron olive i don't know where it came from but it's luris luris um what's some uh companion zoo Laura zoo yeah it's it's a luris companion luris zoo with four of these guys four goblin guide four step links four wayward guide beast That's which is the new goblin, goblin guide? guide with trample from this set that when it attacks, you return a land uh, from your to your hand from the battlefield. Four Wild in the Cattle, four Brushfire Elemental, which we'll get to, four Plated Geopede, four Lightning Bolt, four Tarkas Command, four Skyclave Pickaxe, mm-hmm. um, which we'll get to. It's a landfall card. Yep, yes, it's down here. Uh, yep, and that's the deck. And then you're playing 10, 11, 15 fetch lands. <laughs> <laughs> you're playing you're playing 15 fetch lands and one two three four five six uh fetchable lands but you know 
you by the time you've hit your sixth land drop, if you haven't won, you're dead. So right, it's fine. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So so I like that. Like I think that's cool. Um, and I know that like Saffron Olive is very good at coming up with cool ideas like that. He's not necessarily like a tuner. Like that's probably not the most tuned list. It's just a bunch of four ofs of like cards that are obviously mm-hmm. say landfall on them. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, I think like that seems reasonable to me in yeah, modern. I, I don't know if it's like the best, but I think you could take it to an F and M and do some damage. And I think, I think there's an argument for some type of Naya landfall deck in standard or maybe better historic that does take advantage of like not really planning on having more than two lands in play untapped and like try and play the different fetch lands between fill the dead evolving wilds terraform morphic expanse and historic and um fabled passage fabled passage um plus i just some think this ones. is not the card i want to play with fabled passage like in a fabled passage deck i want to be triggering fallout our retreat with my sure, fabled passage, sure. or even skyclave shade with my fabled passage aquam hellkite or hellhound is not, not i'm not business. as excited about triggering that with fabled passage fair that's fair like all these wonky tapped lands in my aggro deck. I mean, I guess like in the previous standard, people were playing a lot of one ones for one in the red aggro decks. Um, yeah, I think I think this like, is just a two three for one is like maybe just fine in standard in mono red if there's enough pieces. Don't to don't get too excited. It's not a two three for one, but but yeah, I mean maybe it just does enough. Like maybe it does more than. Um, you know, like Grim Initiate or like um, some of these random one-one Goblin Doofers. I'm trying to remember the names. Especially, especially because you can now play more lands in those decks because some of them can be spells, right? That are like right. a little bit more situational. Um, yeah, that's fair. I guess, yeah. And, and like the mono red decks in Standard are a little bit bigger because they are playing like Anax and Embercleave and some more expensive stuff that they often get to a higher land count. Yep. Yep. All right. Next card. Because this is a card that Fable Passage sounds dope next to. (laughs) Morag Fury of Akum. Four red red. Legendary creature Minotaur Warrior. Each creature you control gets plus one plus zero for each time it has attacked this turn. Uh, it is a 6-6, six, six, uh, and it has landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, if it's your main phase, there is an additional combat phase after this phase. At the beginning of that combat, untap all creatures you control. So, people are going to get got the first time they play this card, and I want to make sure all of our listeners understand the right way to play with this. Do not play your lands in your first main phase. The way this card works is that your your extra man, if you play a land in your first man phase, you're going to get an extra man combat step. It's going to happen before your normal combat step. Your creatures are going to untap, then, <laughs> then you're going to attack with them, and then your normal combat step is going to happen, and they're not going to untap. So you your extra combat step, unless you're like accidentally playing with vigilance creatures, doesn't matter. What you want to do is attack regular combat step then in your second man man second main phase play as many lands as you possibly can and then take all of the attack steps you want where they untap and then you can take advantage of it so i guess that subtle that like subtle wording uh, affects this kind of a lot because you want to attack with this because it's a 6-6 six, six. so if you don't hit your first land drop you attack with this in your combat 
which that's playing correctly, right? Because you want to get both your combats. You want to untap your creatures and swing twice. You swing with this. If it dies in combat or if they have like a seal away or a settle the wreckage or something in formats where those are legal, um, then you're out of luck. You play your land in your second main and nothing happens because your creature died. So that is something to note. Um, I guess if you're playing with this guy, like maybe sometimes it's right to just hold him back. If you need the combat like that badly, I don't know. Regardless, it gives all of the other creatures you attack with during that combat plus one plus zero for that first combat. Cause as soon as they attack, yeah. they now get plus one plus zero. So it's not like if you hold back with it for the first attack step, cause you're going to, you're expecting to get additional attack steps with them. Um, and so I don't think you need to, be too sad that you held back on one of the attacks it almost is like a little bit of a power nerf it makes that a little scarier to do and i would almost say you're right not to attack because you're going to get that extra attack step if you have a land and then and if you don't have a land then you should just attack with them because it doesn't matter bluffed bluffed them yeah you you will get bluffed got bluffed uh this card's sweet though i'm excited for it in commander uh i'm excited for it's it it's also interesting i guess that like if you attack with him I'm I'm thinking this through. So they this is something that they're doing to like reduce arena clutter um and pri- ra- like random priority passes in arena. So this is just a static each creature you control gets. It's not like whenever a creature you control attacks, it gets plus plus so for each time it attacked this turn. Like that's how they might have worded it like 5 years ago. Because this is static, if they do remove it in combat, like in that first combat, you will lose the buff. So don't rely on it. If you're like if you need that plus one plus O to trade with blockers and you attack with this guy and you're like going all in and they have their removal spell for this guy to like, they'll turn off your second combat. They'll blow you out in combat because your creatures will all get smaller. You'll be sad all around. So keep in mind, that's also a static. This guy is very finicky. But I think part of that is the cost of having a six mana or sorry, six, six that pumps your entire team and gets you extra combat steps every turn. Like, like multiple extra combat right. steps a lot of the time. There are there are parts of this card that are Titan-esque, right? Like not the turn you play him, probably, but from every turn past that, he has the ETB of extra combat stuff plus giving all of your creatures plus one plus zero, as long as you can play him and a land in the same turn. Yeah, I mean like you you can play him on turn like on turn seven and then a land. I don't know. I guess I'm trying to figure out like what kind of competitive deck I want to put this guy in. And I don't know if one exists, but I'm not looking forward to playing against this in Commander. This is the kind of Commander card that just makes me groan. Mm, I'm excited about this card. I mean, maybe I won't be, but like, it's just an aggressive deck. You can just remove it with removal spells. You have a mono red deck. Also, you can take advantage of this card by using it to untap things. Can't you? Don't you have cool untap? Like, because I, I remember Jules Robbins, who now works at Wizards, used to have a really cool Aurelia deck that's whole game plan wasn't the fact that Aurelia gave you extra combat steps. It was that she untapped your creatures twice a turn in red and white. And this does that, but Bender. He's also on the Commander Council for Red. This feels like Jules made this card. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I just, I'm not a big fan of taking more than one combat in a turn. It just feels, I don't know, feels weird to me. I don't like it. I'm not a fan of, I mean, a lot of the time people are like going infinite or whatever. Sort of feast and famine with the card that, the enchantment that lets you pay. I feel like taking more than two combats is is excessive. I'm, I'm not into it. 
I think this is this is less breakable than those can be, right? So you're not going infinite with this, but how many combats do you need to win the game? Sure. Like in a commander game where this is in your red green deck, how many combats do you think you can reasonably take? (laughs) Because it's probably a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of combats. Uh, like you can even just you slam this, this turn six with a couple creatures out like on turn seven you could just play boundless realms or something or just, like god knows yeah, right <laughs> yeah 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 well, i mean like and like uh, like putting this into burgamos right like i have scape shift in there i have yeah like you'll probably have nahiri's lithomancy eh? okay uh, <laughs> uh absolutely that card's so cool i'm excited about that card uh if we have time we might do some random rando cards because um, there's actually not that much landfall cards. Uh, next card on the list, Balakid Exploration, two and a red enchantment landfall. When a land enters the battlefield under your control, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card for as long as it remains exiled at the beginning of your end step. If there are cards exiled with Valakut Exploration, put them into your owner's graveyard. Then Valakut Exploration deals that much damage to each opponent. This, and then it, this is a land. No, it's not a land. This card is sweet though. A, was there a landfall draw card? I don't know if that existed. There was Seer's Sundial, which I have played in like mono red or mono mana, white sure. decks before. Yeah, yep. <laughs> uh, but you had to pay to draw the card. There was not just like landfall draw card. And so this um, is this is that technically, right? It's not as good as that, but it's it's the red version of that, which is fine. Yeah. Now. So the thing I like about this card in particular is that. In a lot of these decks where I say, like, you won't hit every single land drop forever because you're, you know, you're only drawing one card a turn. If it's a spell, you're going to cast it. And some, you know, you're just not going to draw land every single turn. If you do draw land every single turn, you're probably going to lose. This card makes it so, like, you do kind of want to draw land every single turn. You draw land, you play it, you get to exile a card and play, hopefully, a non-land. So it like smooths out your draws because now you're like drawing more spells. And if you do hit a land, you play it. And now hopefully you're getting a spell. It gives you like an extra shot at spells every turn while allowing you to like hit landfall every turn. Um, It's also like pretty cool in multiples. Yeah, because now you're digging super deep when you play a land. Um, It's also good. Like if you have access to extra land drops, which there are surprisingly few of in the set. Maybe that's on purpose to prevent this like fetch land problem we were talking about, where like if you make it too easy, the cards are too good. <laughs> right, right. But I mean, like casting ex like not expiration. What's the card? Why can't I remember it? Expiration. No. Kadama's what does it do? Reach, but it doesn't have Arcana. <laughs> oh, cultivate. Cultivate. Thank you so much. Uh, like cultivate does exist in standard, and then and obviously leaving standard, looking at historic or modern. Right. Like this card, this is not that unplayable in modern, right? Like you and with fetch lands, this card's really good. You draw two cards a turn with a fetch land. You play this often on turn two or three. And it's like a very difficult, basically dark confidant that's in play. And you also that also instead of doing damage to you, will do one to two damage to your opponent every turn out of Jund. I like that's not an unplayable card to me. It just competes with like tireless tracker. Right. And Planeswalkers. Those are the things that it's competing with. Yeah. But I don't think that's necessarily a not. I I, I think this does something powerful enough and different enough than those cards that it's worth considering. I mean, I like this effect is worse than get a clue, I think, because you can store clues across turns. You don't just like lose it on your end step if you don't play the cards immediately. 
the different the 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 kicker is you have to pay to get it's, the cards. It's cheaper than clues, and so you get Fireless the cards Cracker also attacks and blocks, but it also dies to many things under the sun. Well, this doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying Talus Tracker isn't better because Talus Tracker is like an all time great card. But I think this card, there are situations where I would play this over Talus Tracker. I would be much happier having this and they're not that uncommon. It's um, close enough to Tireless Tracker that it's exciting, I right. guess, is what you're getting at. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And I think I think like also in Black Red, I mean, on the other hand, for historic and standard formats without Tireless Tracker, the fact that we're comparing this card to Tireless Tracker, a like every format it's ever been in modern or earlier staple to some some variety including commander like that's a pretty good pretty good bar to be at um yeah uh yeah yeah tireless tracker i think is if you if a card comes out and you can like compare it to tireless tracker and not be like it's not that much worse that's good I think that's a good card. <laughs> <laughs> it's where you want to be as a card. Uh, I strive to be as a person as good as Tyler's Tracker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yes. Giving clues to people, getting swole. Be the tireless Tracker you want to see in the world. Right, exactly. <laughs> Kazandu Mammoth. One green, green. Elephant. Landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, Kazandu Mammoth gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. It is a rare 3-3. Three, three. Elephant. But whenever you feel like it, it could be a tapped green mana source. Comes into play as a land. Uh, this card is good. I think it's a good card. I think it, we talked about it a lot last week. So I, I'd love to hear your thoughts, Michael, since I gave my thoughts last week. Yeah, it's a great uh, mid-range threat. And perhaps even aggro threat if there is like a landfall, more aggressive deck in standard. I don't think it really excites me outside of standard maybe historic but i don't think it makes it as far as pioneer to me maybe i'm underestimating these flippy cards i just think that it like a three three that turns into a five five lamb fall for three that like doesn't like it doesn't do anything they can just kill it and like a tapped land is going to affect your development a lot in formats once you start getting to pioneer and beyond. Uh, but I think it's going to be a major player in standard. I think, I think, I think in, in modern and or pioneer, the mono green stompy era is a card that this could see play or devotion, right? Like it has the ability to participate in those decks. What, because kind, they... of, what kind of three deck three drops are those decks playing currently? I guess like, what does this have to compete with? Groundbreaker maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know. The yeah, I mean, I don't think up. that those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're I, not those aren't major cards. players yeah, in their yeah. respective formats. But even as fringe players, I would want to see what this is competing with for the three drop slot because well, think, it is cool that it's a land. I think. Like, I think what I would do in those decks, especially because a lot of the times what those decks can run into is just like, uh, like flooding themselves at times is having, especially the mono. Well, yeah, just the mono green devotion decks. Uh, cause everything they do is just like a dirtily threat that just gets really big really quickly. Having the ability to play, have some of your lands be like land creatures basically and have the option late game to play this or early game to play it as a land, I think is. Worth yeah, it. I guess you can just yeah. like cut two forest for two mammoth. Right. And just like, and like maybe that's not terrible. A few games you might get wrecked, but like most of the time you'll be happy to be able to play this on turn 
three when you play a two drop or your second two drop or turn four when you play your second three drop or a three drop um yeah i guess i i do think that tapped lands like especially in modern can be pretty brutal if you're trying to curve out in a deck like that yeah yeah, that's fair so like i think is this where i I didn't get to talk about this but the the flippy cards like that that i like the most especially for like older formats are the ones where like you can add them to your deck as lands. Like, because Undo Mammoth is something I want to subtract. Like, I guess I'll do my spiel since I wasn't on the episode last week, but you probably guys probably already talked about this. But my spiel on these flippy cards is on the modal DFCs is uh, you get, there's two types. And it's not clear that there's two types because they all look the types. same when you like glance at them. One type is I want to cut lands for this. Oh. That's the Mammoth, right? Like you want to cut lands for this mammoth because if you are playing like thirty lands with the mammoth, it like you're still flooding. This mammoth doesn't doesn't like help you spend your mana. It's just like a three drop that is not super impactful if you're flooded out. Uh, and there's cards that make me want to cut spells for this. Cut spells for this to go up to like twenty eight, twenty nine lands, and that's cards like the regrowth. Um, the red draw card yeah. cycler that can cycle your hand. You can put cards on the bottom. Yeah, exactly. Like stuff like that. I want to cut. I want to. Sorry, add lands to my deck effectively by cutting spells for them um, because they help you when you're flooding out. This mammoth is something I want to cut lands for. But the problem with the ones that you want to cut lands for is you're cutting lands for them, but you can't cut too many because you don't want all these ETB tapped lands. Depends on the deck, right? But yes, yeah, yeah. Like, like I, I think, think in like, general that's true. The the one exception is like this mammoth plays very well with itself because, like, you can kind of cut spells for this mammoth, and or cut lands for this mammoth. Sorry, you can cut spells for the mammoth, and thereby adding lands to your landfall deck, but still having like action, right? Like you're not going to have five land opener because that's bad but if you go like one drop two drop three drop four drop land 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 like you win (laughs) so it helps you hit late land drops when you need them but it also is like a three mana doof that you know attacks and blocks and does the things you want on turn three right right and i think i think where what i meant I mentioned there are three types. I think, I think, yes, those are the two main ways. And then what we were looking at also was when we were evaluating was there's like, it looks like they printed three types of these in the sense that there's um, cards that are good late, um, but bad early, right? Where like, like the, or or cards you want to hold on to as late as possible in the game. So these are cards that are great, the top deck, but if you get them on turn one through three, you have no problem just playing it as a land. Um, there were cards that are situational and then could be a land. So the the mm. shock, the the do one damage to something is an example um, sure. where it's like this card is versatile, but it, it almost is with the cards that like feel like they're designed for best of one, right? Like this card is good against some matchups, but bad against others. But the matchup that's bad against, I can just play it as a land. And then there's the third version that like creates a tension on do I want to play this as a land or play this card early? And that's like the four spike variant or um the 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 bird not the bird of paradise but the the land or elf for two mana the hedron crab boy um, yeah so the situational cards to me I, I mean a lot of the mana sinks are situational i would say like the regrowth is somewhat situational where like you don't always have a good card in your graveyard because like you know you just you've been playing to the board or whatever or like 
you know, it's early game and you haven't played that much stuff and you just play it as a land. And I also think that like some of the just like big creatures, there's like a six drop, four or five trample or something that is a land. And I think that card is like pretty good because, you know, when you're flooded out, you do want to play it. And I think like it might even be good enough for standard, even though it's just like a six mana, four or five. But yeah, I guess like this, a lot of the situational cards to me end up as cards that I cut spells for. Uh, sorry, cards I, I cut lands for most of the time because a lot of them are just like cheap, efficient, but situational. Mm-hmm. Like the red one and the white one that's like deal damage equal the number of creatures you control to any target or target creature or planeswalker, which that's really cool. White burn spell. Do you guys talk about that? Uh, we we can you can talk about it. We we drifted over it maybe a little quicker than than we should have. That's a white burn spell, y'all. Usually creatures have to be attacking or blocking for white to hit them with the burn spell. This is target creature planeswalker equal to number of creatures you control. That's that's some new white technology. Um, but it's situational, right? If your opponent is playing a bunch of removal or they're a control deck with no creatures. But that's a card that I want to cut a land for, I think, because it's cheap and efficient. And like, I don't want to draw it when I'm flooding out. I want to play it, you know, I want to draw it when I'm screwed because I can play it as a land or I can... I guess I don't want to draw it when I'm screwed, but <laughs> right, right. I, I think I think yeah, it was it was it was cool going kind of over over them. Where we kind of where I'm at is I think these cards are amazing, right? Like I I I was the oh one yeah, that I was think they're towards. good. They're like companion level, not not companion level power level. In the like, they will need to be errated, but I think they will see as much play in some ways as companions saw. They're just not going to be as ne- detrimental to the games that they're seeing play in, and 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 as defining to each game that they're seeing play in um and force decks to be companion based decks but i do think like there's a lot of decks that just there's good arguments that they should just be playing one or two of these regardless um what, and, and what were your top picks for like eternal formats i don't think we i don't we didn't rank really we kind of because we slowed down ranking if i were to pick now i don't know i let me play with well the i first. don't i don't mean i don't mean rank like explicitly but i mean like we were very high on all of the untapped, not all of the untapped ones, but but many of the untapped ones, the 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 shock ones, um, for different reasons. Uh, I think we came out with green being the best one, just because of its interaction with uh, primeval titan decks and the ability to like use a bounce land to get it back to find a primeval titan. Um, also, the red and black one in death shadow, we were pretty hyped on um, both because they both interact with that deck positively. Um, I'm excited by the one mana damage one. I'm really excited by the red draw one. The fact that you can instant speed um, draw a card, just like it's a cantrip at instant speed, worst case scenario, at its worst level um, is good to me <laughs> in red, uh, where it also can then get rid of a bunch of lands or cards you don't want. And then Ben was really hyped on the blue one. The one that uh, like, look at the top seven cards, grab an instant or sorcery, or grab a sorcery instant speed. Okay. I think we're the 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 ones that I'm remembering off the top of my head being semi unprepared for this question. Yeah, no worries. You like if your claim is that this is going to impact a lot of older formats, I was interested to hear what in particular was going to be the big hits. Um, yeah, I I agree. The like grab an instant or sorcery from the top. That card's super strong in like controlling decks because. You want to hit all your land drops. This helps you hit all your land drops. You cut a spell for it. It replaces itself if you need action. It's just great and does everything you want. Like, it's great if you're screwed. It's great if you're flooded. It's great if you're neither. Uh, it's 
it just always does the thing. I think the regrowth is also like that. I think yes, like three mana regrowth has never quite been enough, and that's the best regrowth we've gotten. Uh, but like this is a three mana regrowth that is good and playable. Not good. I mean, it's a tapped ETB tapped single color land, but it's you know perfectly fine as a green source that you just play you know when regrowth isn't good because regrowth is like a very conditional card but when it's powerful it's like backbreaking a lot of the time and and i think our point with balagad recovery which is the the regrowth one i've now looked up these cards (laughs) uh is um in like in amulet titan decks which i think we talked a lot about right like there's a lot of different pieces this is very powerful in that deck because you can use both you have amulet of vigor that lets you play these lands untapped so you have less of that issue plus if you have two amulets you can do the mana trick with them so you get one mana out of them um but also being able to use a bounce land to return if you're playing one of these to your hand to then be able to regrow your um pat uh greet the creature packed to go get a primeval type right like you can use it in cool chains like that that let you go off that i think was really powerful with it um yeah but even just like the murder, like the the Hagra mauling for two black black, like there's just like weird ones of these that are so versatile that it's going to be really interesting to see. Ben was really hyped yeah. on the Malakir rebirth on the situational side, but just like this protects a creature in a way. Um, where's the I mean, yeah, I'm just going through these. Yeah, I guess Malakir rebirth. Yeah, I mean, if you're like one of those decks that just wants to like have a threat and protect it or whatever, mm-hmm. it can protect your death shadow or whatever but yeah i mean like the we our state yeah that that's kind of the the majority i mean the other thing is obviously just the flip lands themselves i think we ranked closer to horizon lands than anything else um to choose which side they come into play um was where we were at but that was that's a different category than what we were really talking about but we did talk about yeah. that last week as well uh okay okay let's talk about landfall sorry to recap for everybody who uh listened last week my mistake there's a whole episode if you want to go watch it (laughs) i just wanted to hear like the top three where i'm like alex you say these are going to see play in eternal formats what's the top three i figured he would have it off off the top i was unprepared yeah (laughs) well i I also i kind of my point was is they're not they're not format defining going to see play in a deck, right? It's more like the way they're like cards that you just include and you gain such free value from them that they're going to be more onesies and twosies depending on which deck you're playing than, but I think most decks should consider playing them to some extent. One of these. Yeah. Just cut a spell for one or cut a land for one. Right. And make your like ratios a little bit better without sacrificing that much. And, and even like in a sideboard capacity, and we didn't talk about this too much last week, so I guess this is new content. Uh, the ability for, like, there are a lot of pros that have argued that every player should just play one ghost quarter in their sideboard or, you know, like play a land in your sideboard is like generally actually probably a powerful thing you can do. And these let you do that plus get a sideboard card um, in the same way that like wear and tear is a card that I've considered playing because it gives me, you know, two different sides of that card that are good in different matchups playing a land lets me, you know, in, in decks that I just need to hit my land drops a little bit more, um, have access to that more control based matchups or then have the, you know, the draw card, the, the red draw extra cards. You know, if I know I'm going to go late game at instant speed or whatever, or regrowth, if I know I'm going to go against something that has a lot of removal, um, but we are on uh, a favorite of mine. Actually, this is the first value card I ever really had experience with. And that is Lotus Cobra. One in a green creature snake. 
landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, add one mana of any color to one. Um, famously, like always good, not nearly as good as people thought it was when it was first created. I have distinct memories of like one of my first drafts ever. And the like it was it was the release of, of Zendikar and Lotus Cobra. Someone like <laughs> ended up like laughably being the kid who ends like like in hindsight was like the scummy kid who would rip kids off. Um, open Lotus Cobra, pack one, pick one and just scooped out of the draft. Um, and it was when it was kind of not known if that was allowed or what to do there. I and mean, I think it was like a foil Lotus Cobra and something else of value and a fetch land. Like, I think it was like both in the pack and it was fetch like, lands were like 10 bucks at the time. Like get over yourself. Lotus Just Cobra was Cobra and sell right. it for $70 or whatever and right. buy seven fetch lands. Who cares? Like, <laughs> and so, and so like it was, it was one of the interesting things where like people like, oh, that's scummy. You shouldn't do that. But other people like, well, if there's no rules against it, what are you going to do? Um, debate and yeah distinct memories i i like love lotus cobra every like you should put it in more commander decks this card's really good <laughs> what's what's cool is it's a downshift so when lotus cobra first came out it was like 30 bucks and the foil was like 70 or something for, uh, because everybody was so hyped about it huh? of, it was 45 i have a very distinct memory of what it was got it 40 45 <laughs> uh but yeah, it was like crazy expensive for a mythic back then, like Euro expensive, right? It was um, the first because because Zendikar was the first, the second block ever with mythics. It was Shards of Alara block, yeah, M10, and then Zendikar, and so it was the first time. It was also the first time that a mythic was previewed that people thought it was going to be a tournament staple outside of maybe in M10. Um, like Baneslayer Angel, but Baneslayer Angel was like a $50 card at the time. And then the yeah. Planeswalkers, but they were reprinted from Lorowin. So everyone had them at rare values. So that wasn't really an issue. Um, so it was like this weird, like the, like it was the first time before preview, before cards were ever played that a card was, that was mythic was expected to be just the most powerful card in the set. And then ended up not really being that defining of a player in the format. Um, even it was good though. I don't know. Like it didn't because it because that that standard there were Lotus Cobra weird. decks like throughout standard, even sure. even through like the the Jun versus Jace wars, right? Like because like Jun versus Jace, people were playing Lotus Cobra, but it was never defining. And then but no, then it but wasn't then the format year, defining, but it got played. I, sure. Do you remember the? This was like a sweet deck I was talking to somebody about uh, recently. I think it might have been when Lotus Cobra got previewed and I was like, oh, there was like a sweet Lotus Cobra deck. It was um, the Turbo Land deck with like Time Warps and Jaces. Yes, I do remember that deck. That deck was sweet. Yeah, <laughs> you like played a bunch of Time Warps and Jaces Explorers. and Lotus Cobras and Avenger of Zendikars and Explorers. And then like you were just like blue green, just like trying to ramp and mm -hmm. like use your Lotus Cobra triggers to like chain Time Warps together with... um. Oracle Moldaya. Well, because you could also, because the fetch lands were in the format, you could turn three time warp. Yeah. Because you could fetch, get a land, get two land drops, you get two mana plus the land mana you played plus the two lands you played on one, turn one and turn two. So that's like, that was the play. I also, like Lotus Cobra was in one of my favorite decks of all time in standard, which was the Dredgevine decks. Like you played Lotus Cobras in the deck because the deck was like, 
uh, uh, um, crab into Lotus Cobra into fetch and then play uh, enough creatures to get the fetch vines that you've now milled over two turns into your grave, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, card is sweet. I like love Lotus Cobra. I'm super stoked. And I didn't actually even like it didn't click that it was downshifted to rare. That's sweet as well. Uh, more people will get. To yeah, play so the it's Cobra. not going to be like prohibitively expensive this time around. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, definitely a sweet card. Uh, next card, uh, which like. Well, we'll talk in a second. A uh, scoot swarm two and a green one one insect. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, create a one one green insect creature token. If you control six or more lands, create a token that's a copy of scoot swarm instead. The most, I mean, I get that arena can handle this card, but like, I feel like this card is on a, a list of cards that could crash arena higher than other cards. <laughs> you yeah, so there's definitely going to be some streamers like scape shifting scoot swarm. Right. <laughs> Nahiri's lithomancy decks to just be like, <laughs> this program is going down. <laughs> like every Yorok historic brawl deck is just playing this and scape shift. <laughs> uh <laughs> Um, this card's sweet. I, I I have no idea how playable it is. It's cool that it's like mini Avenger of Zendikar, and then it makes like extra Avengers of Zendikar. I think in Commander and older formats, like like in Singleton formats, this is a card I would consider over Avenger. Like I'm gonna put this into Tomio, um, which is my land's blue green deck, and like it it's gonna doesn't be have there. a super powerful ETB. It's like it like makes you a bunch of one ones over time instead of Avenger, which is like here's all my one ones or oh ones but just avenger you need to put it on you need seven mana this you can play on turn three and just let it sit there innocuously until you have six i mean i get it but but even on turn seven if you play this and it doesn't die you've made four and avenger if you just waited you would have gotten seven no 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 on turn so on turn six you play a land so you'd play on turn three oh sure you get five So in turn, right. turn, turn three, you play this turn four, you get one turn five, you get two, you have two turn no. three. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Turn one, no. you play this turn yeah. two, you get one. Wait, token. Why are you playing this on turn one? Turn three. Sorry. On turn yeah. three, you play this, the turn one that it is in play turn three. Then you, then you play a land next turn. You have one, one insect. Then you have, and you have the, you have, I'll, I'll count him for him and this for the insect turn two, turn well, turn five, you have two insects. Turn six, yeah. you have two, two mobs, scoot, two, two insects, two insects. Turn that's turn six. Turn seven, you now have four scoots, four scoots, two, two insects. insects. All right. So I guess if it lives for that long, I mean that's the problem, right? Is it has to live to keep doing the thing. Sure, but so does Avenger. Like the like you the other version of this is on turn six, you play it, and then you play a land with priority, and now you have two, and so now the only way to stop this shenanigans is with a void wipe or two removal spells. Yeah, I guess Avenger just like it does the thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And a lot yeah. of times in Commander, you don't care about the power of your creatures because each creature is its own resource. Like you're playing it into Cather's Crusade and your team's getting huge, or you're like warp worlding. And like the fact that Avenger just comes with all of this stuff and there's nothing your opponent can do about it, uh, I think is very powerful. And Scoot Swarm is just much slower to me. Uh, not to say that it's bad. And I think any card that says Landfall Make a Dude is Commander playable. We even talked about the white one from 
Battle for Zendikar being commander playable. Right, 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 right. And and like I, I'm currently playing the one that makes zero one plants that you can sack to fog, I think, or get a land back from your graveyard, something. Oh, turn timber sower. Yeah, yeah. And like, yeah. So, it, yeah, I think they're sweet. I'm excited by Scoot Swarm. Uh, Skyclay Pickaxe, one green. Whenever it enters the battlefield, attach it to target creature you control. Landfall, get plus two, plus two, and then until end of turn. Uh, equipped two and a green. It's kind of Rancor, but worse by a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's very strong for sure. It's cool. Uh, it was in that zoo deck that we were sent. Yes. Uh, the, the landfall zoo. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is definitely strong enough to see play in aggro decks. Adventuring gear did see play back in the day. Mm-hmm. This is kind of, I, th- I mean, I think it's better. I think it's but better. not by a lot. Like it's, 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 it, I think it's better. Like adventuring gear mana. for reference is the same card as this one to play equipment, same landfall trigger, except it doesn't equip automatically. It's just one to equip. So this equips automatically, and then it's three to equip. So you get like the first equip free, which is what's very powerful. Because in the early turns, you're going to be like one drop into pickaxe equipped to my one drop, land another one drop. That's like the pickaxe play, right? And like that tempo of being able to like play the second one drop, I feel like pushes it to be better than adventuring gear to me. I think I think the the count against it is that adventuring gear was colorless, and the main deck it saw play then was red white boros bushwhacker aggro decks sure that i think the green mana is now no longer ever going to be a problem since we're sure. not getting fetches in standard and older formats you can just fetch for duels who cares you're just playing this in a zoo deck mm-hmm. yeah yeah i agree with that um territorial scythe cat two and a green two and a one trample landfall whenever a land enters battlefield you control put a plus one plus one counter on territorial scythe cat uh it's interesting that this card and skyclave gop exist i guess they are different ones plus two plus two and one is plus one plus one but otherwise they are oh and and skyclave is a three one versus this which is a two one this gets a counter yeah yeah yeah. and i know they're also different rarities common versus oh i did not notice that they're different rarities yeah sure i mean like they're kind of similar but this one gets big and GOP'd is faster at yeah. killing your opponent, I guess, is it's like a green a green version versus a red version of something similar. Yeah, yeah. That that's more. Um Brushfire Elemental, red and a green elemental haste, one one. Brushfire Elemental can't be blocked by creatures power two or less. When a land enters the battlefield under your control, Brushfire Elemental <laughs> gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Um this is also dope. I mean, this is more of the plated geopede, right? It's this and the bird, the griffin that we were talking about are the two like plated geopede uh, evolutions. Really? Yeah, this this is the plated geopede for sure. Rockwim Hellhound is the step links. This is the plated geopede. And the fact that you get access to green if you just play those two cards in the same colors is nice. Yeah. Because yep. like with step links, if you wanted access to green, you had to play a third color, which wasn't feasible in standard. So mm-hmm. that's why Alex was saying it was Boros. The adventuring gear deck was Boros because you had fetches, but no duels you could fetch. Right. So you were just like playing four Marsh Flats, four Arid Mesa, four Scalding Tarn. <laughs> And, and then and, basics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, so I think I think this card is sweet. I think if there's a landfall aggressive creature deck in standard, for sure, this is the card. I think even in in historic or, or other formats, this is a card that kind of works in that space. It um, was in the landfall list. <laughs> it was. It was. So even modern playable, maybe if that deck is modern playable. Fringe, fringe, fringe. modern playable. <laughs> uh, all right, we got, we got, we got, and now we're in the world of legendaries. Phylath World Sculptor, four red green legendary creature elemental. When Phylath World Sculptor enters the battlefield, create a zero one green plant creature token for each basic land you control. Landfall. Whenever land enters the battlefield under your control, put four plus one plus plus one counters on target plant you control. Yes, for your Avengers of Zendikar. Avengers of Zendikar is now a legendary creature. Uh, it's worse, but it's legendary. So from the fact that this can be your commander makes it different. It is one less. Cost- yeah. Yeah, it costs a mana less, I was going to say. Yep, it costs one less. And it's not that much worse than Avengers of Zendikar. But it's much worse, but it, it does things well in a way it makes that a is plant not- for each basic you control which is a rough one yep and it also is it makes one big plant versus an army of medium-sized plants that slowly get bigger and bigger i mean i guess one thing that's interesting about this is like you play it you make your plants next turn you play a land you now probably have a profitable attack with your plant Mm mm-hmm Whereas with Avenger, you're like, I have a bunch of one twos pass. <laughs> right, right, right. You can actually start doing stuff with this the turn you untap or even the turn you play it if you can make plants before that. I mean, um, this is all assuming like you're not doing shenanigans with your plants, right? Because right, that's right, what I was right. saying. The main use case for Avenger is, is like I sack my plants all to do something wild or I have Cather's Crusade in play and everything's huge or, you know. Right, right. And and this is a card like what's this is going to make a very cool commander deck, right? And it, it, what's cool is yeah. it makes a landfall commander deck different than Angry Omnath um that i think is cool i think it'll do some fun stuff i'm excited to play against this and play with it um we are eventually going to do a um uh masters of Ma- or mm cast uh commander stream not next week but probably the week after that i think i think next week right now we're confirmed to have ben wheeler and gavin uh Verhe on uh to join us and play some commander but i think the week after that once we're able to maybe get some cards um or play with them a little bit more after release uh, we'll do like a, each of us picks a new commander and builds a commander on it, uh, a commander deck around it. And and I'm interested to see if anyone builds Phylath or, or one of the following ones. Um, It'll be Ben. I think he's that's definitely yeah, it's yeah. definitely Ben's style. Yeah, big Phylath strikes me as a strong. Ben card. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only thing preventing me is that I already have like a red green land deck. And do I want it to no longer be Barugamos who throws stuff at people? Well, I assume like you could just turn it into Phylath for one stream. Yes, yes, yes. If I you want, I mean, assuming that Phylath is your is your go to. Right. It does do a lot of things I like. I think if I was going to pick a land one, hold on one second. But first, Nissa Shadow of Bots, two black green. Sh- Nissa of Shadowed Bows. I is was the word never for the listeners. Gonna know how to pronounce that word. There was no chance that I was never n- had zero. It's one of those words that you see a lot in text, mm-hmm. like in books and stuff, but you never hear it spoken because, like, what person doesn't just say branch? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, two black green legendary planeswalker Nissa comes in at four loyalty. Landfall. Whenever land enters the battlefield, under your control, put a loyalty counter on Nissa of Shadow 
branches. <laughs> Plus one, untap target land you control. You may have it become a 3-3 elemental creature and with haste and menace until end of turn. It is still a land. You may put a creature... Uh, then it's her ultimate is minus five. You may put a creature card with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of lands you control onto the battlefield from your hand or graveyard with two plus one plus one counters on it. So kind of a cool... So so there's a few things going on with this card. The first one is that it has landfall plus loyalty, which in older formats could be pretty crazy. You can get a lot of loyalty on Nissa pretty quickly with Fetchlands. Um, the second thing is she does the normal Nissa thing. Uh, you get to untap a land. You don't have to make it a creature, which is cool. So you're no longer like risking your lands if you don't want to. Um and the, or you can just you know get in and attack with it. Um, it doesn't block though, so it does does no longer has the ability to last until your next turn. So she doesn't protect herself very well, other than the fact that she can kind of just get loyalty counters more quickly because she can plus two basically every turn. But then her minus five, which she can do the turn she comes into play. So you can play her on turn five, play her, play a land, and then ultimate and put if you have something that you want to put from your hand into play equal to how many lands you have or reanimate it from your graveyard. I guess at that point you're really playing to reanimate, right? Uh, I mean, it depends like through the breaches of five mana card. That is good. Well, Obviously but- like this doesn't give haste, so it's not worth like building an entire combo deck around it. But you know, I could see a standard deck. It's, it's converted mana cost equal to how many, uh, lands you have right so oh so, so it has to be five land five cost or less so Oof, so on turn five run. you're not going to play this to then put a five drop from your hand into play no, losing this not. card because you could have just played the five drop but do if you have something to reanimate like that is like if i have her and i have like a chuka chupacabra in my graveyard and my opponent has something i have to kill that turn i'm letting this die to reanimate that that uh that removal spell out of my graveyard um so you play her on turn five, Fabled Passage, crack it, then you get to put in your Corvold or whatever. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and that's, I think actually that's a real play with this card, right? That that is This is the exact card that Fabled Passage is a great landfall card for because you get, you want to play Fabled Passage on turns four, five, six, and seven. And Nissa wants you to play Fetch Lands on turns five, six, and seven. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think that Fabled Passage is good with any landfall card that costs more than two for sure. the most part. Sure. And even some that do cost two. Like, I think it's great with Lotus Cobra because on your Nectar Pod as well. But right, right, right. Just like the aggressive cards, I feel like it's awkward because if you're just like jamming a bunch of, you know, tap lands into your deck because of the new tap lands plus Fabled Passages and you like look at your aggro deck opening hand and you have three lands and they all enter tapped and you're like, <laughs> yeah 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 that's fair um yeah no i i think this card's really cool i i like this space i really like actually all the planeswalkers um which we'll talk about the other ones later i think we already talked about actually the other two i think we talked about nahiri and jace in a previous episode i like kicker and i like landfall being added to like i like them using keywords i liked food being on oko I, I, oko had his own issues but like uh, putting the mechanic of the set on the cards that are being included is sweet i liked that there was ability counters on um i was gonna call vivian vivian um and that uh elsbeth had escape i think that's a really cool design space that they're figuring out um and then the last card with landfall and the last card for today's episode 
Oh, and I'm so glad that you're here for this episode, Michael. Because <laughs> um, uh, this card is Omnath Locus of Creation. Red, green, white, and blue. Legendary creature, elemental, 4-4. Four, four. Uh, when Omnath Locus of Creation enters the battlefield, draw a card. Uh, landfall, whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you gain four life if this is the first time the ability has resolved this turn. If it's the second time, add red, green, white, blue. And if it's the third time, Omnath deals four damage to each opponent and each Planeswalker you don't control. So the reason I'm glad that you're on this episode is that So yeah, so Omnath is four colors. It does four things. I think it's cool how this, like, like one of the challenge four color cards have that this, I think, is a cool different take on it that uses landfall is like often they end up just being kind of different versions of charms, right? Where it's like, here's each color doing a thing. And this is doing that, right? You have, it enters the battlefield, draws a card. That's the blue half. It Then the first land you play, you gain life. That's the white half. The second land you play, you make four mana. That's the green half. And then if you play even a di- an additional land beyond that, here's uh, here's damage to every player and planeswalker, every whatever. That's the that's the red half. And so it, it's this cool kind of play space in there. It does, what, what I think is cool is I do think this is the best four color lands commander. Now Golos might just be better, right? Like I think it's between this and Golos going all the way to five uh, uh, colors. But like the fact that I can now play basically what is my Tamiyo deck or my Burgermos deck, or I can play, but I get like Knight of the Reliquary and I get Weathered Wayfarer and I get like all those like random good white lands cards, land tax, um, I think is cool. Uh, and plays a little bit different than maybe Corvald, right? Like, I think, like, there's a bunch of good two mana, two two color legends. There's Corvald, which is probably the de facto best Jund. Well, it's for sure the best Jund one, but probably the de facto best three color lands commander. And then now, does this give you, like, this lets you play blue and white in, in a lands deck, which I think is cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't want to... I don't want to dampen anything because I know that there are a lot of Omnath fans out there, but uh, Omnath is not for me. Sure. Fair. I I am not excited by Omnath, unfortunately. I do Uh, think in more bringing it to brawl, historic, standard levels of arena play, this card does a lot. Like it's, it's almost kind of. It reminds me of Nicol Bolas a lot, the the Planeswalker one, the the Planeswalker creature one, where it like enters play and gains value. Nicol Bolas made them discard a card. This draws you a card, which is better. Um, and then can like has Planeswalker like abilities where once a turn you get an effect. And then if you're able to do a little bit more, you get better and better effects as time goes on. Um, yeah, the rate on this is good. Obviously, like it's a four, 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 four that draws a card and it gains you four life every turn, every turn, as long as you can play a land, which will probably be frequently because you're playing this in a deck, probably with a bunch of lands and possibly with some ramp. And, and so, like, yeah, and that is good at a base level and demands an answer and always two for ones them. And just like the rate is good. The rest, not, not exciting to me. It's okay. just like a rate card in okay. my mind. Okay. Like, I get a one-shot add mana, but I have to have 
played another land. You have to fetch, right? You if you fetch, you get to ramp six. Yeah. You get like super lotus cobra. Yeah, that's cool, I guess. And then four damage to each opponent in each planeswalker I don't control for the third land. That's the most difficult land because now you need to work for it, right? Right. You have to play. Second a land is just a fetch land. Third land. How are you putting the third land into play? Yeah, yeah. I don't think that. I don't. I don't think you're playing it for the third effect. I think you're playing it to play. You're not, but that's disappointing. That feels like the grand finale to me, right? Sure. It. I thought when I first read it, it was four damage each opponent and each permanent they control, and that was pretty cool to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, you could like give it death touch or something, which is a little tougher because you're not playing black, and maybe we'll figure something out. And then it doesn't do that, and I was like. This is just a rate card. Doesn't do anything exciting to me. You know, you wouldn't just, you wouldn't be excited playing this in like like constructed, not necessarily commander. Like this card. Yeah, maybe in constructed. Sweet. I saw a pretty cool um I don't know if you follow Yeoman Five on Twitter. Uh, I do not. Uh he is a brewer for many formats, primarily standard and and pioneer and some historic. Okay. Um I believe he writes for tcg player or something i don't know i don't read his articles but i follow him on twitter and he every time a set comes out he does uh 50 deck lists and he had a pretty sweet um teamer ultimatum deck whatever that ultimatum is called genesis ultimatum i think Mm -hmm. with omnath um and just like you know big ramp bunch of big permanence doofuses right 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 but like his point was that if you the the Genesis Ultimatum puts lands into play because it just puts all permanent cards in the top five into play, mm-hmm. so you can like get Omnath and a bunch of lands and just like go off and play another one because you like got mana and you're like ah. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like that's pretty sweet. That's sweet. I'm into that. Yeah, yeah I, I I think he's cool. I, I I definitely like him in the constructed world, right? Like it, it there's it's hard to play. It's a four color card, but it's not impossible. And 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 I think he does sweet things. I don't know. I'm excited by this Omnath. I just like also the story of Omnath. I'm excited to see what five color Omnath does. Yeah, it should have been five uh, colors. Why why not why why are you so Wake mad about me the up when he ground? gets black? <laughs> <laughs> it's cool that they do stuff like this. I would much rather them do this and have dog cards and cat cards than us like live in the world where it's like no, we are only doing serious things and we refuse to have Bruce Tarl ever be printed as a card or referenced on an ox card again. Like I like all I don't this understand stuff. the connection between four color omnath and jokes. <laughs> uh well so <laughs> cuz it it's like it was a joke, right? And they're like, no, no, this is what players expect. It's the meme is that Omnath keeps adding colors. I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. The last Omnath was pretty cool, actually, in my opinion. Okay. I played it in standard a lot. Okay. So not every Omnath can't just be for Michael. This one's for yeah. the Alex Kesslers of the world. Yeah. So that's that's it for the episode. Thank you guys so much for 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 listening. You can follow us uh, on Twitter, Instagram, uh, everywhere at the MMCast. If you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Hit that like and subscribe button. Comment below. We'd love to hear what landfall cards you're most excited by. Uh, you can fo- find me at Kess Wiley all over the internet, from Twitch to Twitter to Instagram to whatever. Uh, you can find Michael on Twitter at Dur Duttered. He's going to spell it. D-U-D-A-R-D-D. Yep. Uh, and uh, so definitely check that out there. Uh, I was on Gavin Verhey's morning show on Wednesday. So if you go check out uh, Good Morning Magic, uh, hosted by Gavin Verhey, we did a whole question game. I asked them a bunch of questions. I'd love to hear uh, what your thoughts on the questions were. If you have some answers to that, definitely go comment there uh, and, and subscribe to Gavin's show. Uh, also, uh, 
next Monday, he's going to be on our stream. So uh, Gavin and Ben Wheeler from Loading Ready Run uh, are going to be on the Monday night uh, commander stream on the MMCast YouTube channel and my Twitch channel at Kess Wiley um, and all the other good things. And thank you so much also to our patrons, of course, um, and subscribers. And we'll talk to you guys uh, next week. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.